Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. I didn't say who was going to start. It's going to be me. Welcome. I'm going to do it. Hi, friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. I don't think we're as consistent on that as we had hoped, but. I mean, we've all made it through. We're on year three of COVID and the craziness that life is. And the heaviness um, with which March being around the corner is weighing. Yeah. March gets here so quick these days. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. February is two seconds long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the great thing about March is at the beginning of March every year, we've talked to you guys about it before. We go to an annual conference, COPA, uh, which is for special education attorneys, advocates, and parents. And it's just a wonderful experience for us to go every year, not just to learn about what other attorneys are doing in other states and just new case law. But it really kind of reinvigorates us because like throughout the year, we tend to get really frustrated at seeing the same things over and over and, you know, just the backlog of everything. And especially with COVID, like the red tape and constantly feeling like we're saying, yes, it sucks. This is what the school is doing. It sucks. And yes, it's not right. But, you know, enforcement is tough. So COPA is always an opportunity for us to kind of get like... Like check in um, and just kind of see like what other people are doing and how we can do it. Because obviously there's 50 states, 50 different. More brainstorming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're able to be more creative and think outside of the box. It kind of gives us that that scope. So we'll be doing that next week virtually. It's in Boston this year, and with all the kiddos running around, it's just a little much for us to go. (laughs) Yeah, we actually (laughs) went to. We remember we went to Boston actually pre-COVID. It was January 2020. Yes. That was one of the last like, okay. major places. So, yeah, a lot of heaviness. But hopefully with today's guest, we kind of lighten the mood. And mm-hmm. We talk a little bit more we'll about, see. yeah, well, being <laughs> inclusive. So, Tim, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Yeah, my name is Tim Viegas. I'm the Director of Communications for the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education the founder of Think Inclusive and the host of the Think Inclusive podcast. Awesome. And friend of the Inclusive Education podcast. So Yay. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for coming on, Tim. Yeah. Can we, you can you tell us a little bit about your background and how, you know, MCIE got started and a little bit about you guys? Sure. Yeah. So MCIE, which is what I'm going to say from now on, because it's way too hard to say the whole thing. (laughs) To remember, yeah. We're a nonprofit. We've been doing inclusive systems change work for over 30 years. The big thing we do is school transformation. So we partner with districts that want to become more inclusive for all learners. And we partner with them like three to five years. Uh, We've done a lot of work in Maryland, but we're not exclusive to Maryland which is the reason why we're now an acronym. So we work, you know, Delaware, we work in Illinois, you know, we are partnering with districts in California and there's lots of potential districts around the country. We also do state and local technical assistance. So we assist uh, departments of education and we do individual student planning. So we have 
we work with uh, school districts and families to have a, like an action plan to include a student with uh, typically significant disabilities in general education. And we also do professional development. So whether that is a one-off for a district or a series, it just depends. So we're very, very busy. And, and that doesn't include all of the communications <laughs> work, which is why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the last time that we talked, I was still employed by a school district here where I live in Georgia mm-hmm. uh, and oh. doing Think Inclusive on the side. So it's a little bit different look for me. Yeah, we were right on yeah. your podcast this time two years ago, which was nuts mm-hmm. to even right. think. And I mean, obviously what you're doing is so needed. A lot of the times that Amanda and I have people that work for districts that come on, a lot of times they're trying, right? But right. having an entity that is able to provide all all of those services because it's overwhelming I'm sure like where do we even start with inclusivity well and yeah like there are some school districts that we work with that have inclusion specialists who know what they're doing can come in and help but that's few and far between Mm -hmm. and so many school districts what like I'll go to due process to ask for an inclusion specialist to support a student being included because They've been included, but it hasn't been done right. And so the implementation is the problem. And the answer I get is we don't have an inclusion specialist. We're not going to hire someone just for this one student. And even though my response of, I guarantee you there are more students that could benefit in your district, you should hire someone. It kind of, you know, goes on deaf ears. So the idea that a district in those situations, if they really don't have the funds to hire someone, they really don't think there's, you know, enough students that would need it, they could reach out to you guys and get that support. Yeah. And I also, something that you mentioned, it made me think, so in order for you to go down this path as a district, you don't <coughs> actually have to hire more staff. Like, it's kind of a myth. So all you have to do, you have to decide to restructure and reimagine. And that's not an easy thing to do. So it's not like, you know, like we can just snap our fingers and become inclusive. But there's a misconception that, well, if I want my school to be more inclusive, I have to hire a bunch of paraprofessionals or I have to hire an inclusion specialist. Mm -hmm. Typically, you already have the staff that are you will need in order to make a transition, at least to get started. So that is something that if that's what's holding you back, because you feel like, well, you have to hire one someone specifically, you don't have to do that. I mean, you do have to have a part. And so that's what we want to be for you. And I think where that misconception of I need to hire someone comes from is the teachers that have their caseloads, the special education teachers that might be able to provide kind of that consultation and be that inclusion specialist have such a heavy caseload to begin with that the thought of like putting more on them, not that schools don't already do that, but you know, I think that's where it comes from is Who's going to do it? But I think that idea of restructuring and kind of going back to basics to seeing it. I mean, we want inclusion to be a holistic approach. We want it to be across the board. It shouldn't be just a one student basis. Right. Yeah. And, you know, but that's sometimes where you have to start, you know. So when I was an educator uh, and I taught for 13 years in the classroom, all 13 of those was in a self-contained special education classroom. Okay. I spent three years in a district as a district specialist supporting students, whether they were included in general education or not. So, you know, if you're listening as a family member or an educator and you're like, well, I don't work in an inclusive school or, you know, my child is not in an inclusive classroom, it doesn't mean that you don't have, you can't 
advocate for more inclusive practices. And, you know, for me and my journey, my story, I ended up saying, okay, well, like I've had enough. Right. <laughs> I need to move on. Yeah. But that is, isn't to say that that's the right thing for you. But, you know, I would, I would say there's a lot of us out there that wanted change, that want change as a, you know, being an educator in an inclusive system. So you're not alone. And oftentimes I feel like it's a lot of the red tape that you get bogged down by, right? And I think that mm-hmm. people make inclusivity way harder than it needs to be. You know, the argument that we get in California is, well, that's not FAPE. And it's like, we could do whatever we want with an IEP, essentially. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's modify. Who cares if it's heavily modified? That is the point of modifying the curriculum. But we get that a lot with some of our kiddos that have severe intellectual disabilities and like just the district hiding behind, well, no, that's not fate. They need the special day class. That's, you know, and they're willing to fight for that. And it's just like, what a bummer. There's always something (laughs) that they like to bring up as a barrier, right? The student will be an island of one or we would have to heavily modify or you know, they're not going to get the individual one-on-one, you know, work on their goals. Like, I rarely hear pride. And that goes back to the general principles under the IDEA of LRE, which is restrictive environment, and looking at, we're supposed to be asking the question first, can this student be supported in the general education class? And if so, how? And if the answer to that question is, there's really so many barriers that it could never happen, which that's another side note. But mm-hmm. then that's when we start talking about being in a special day class. But it's rare that I see an initial IEP that even asks that question to start out with. So I think that's like where we see so much of an issue is that we're not even asking that question. We're saying, well, the child's already in a, a self-contained classroom and the parent is trying to get the student in general education. And so... Now, instead of the question of how can we place them in general education, it's let's talk about all the reasons why it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Where it's all hypothetical, right? Until the child has been in general education, every single thing right. you're bringing up is hypothetical. Right. Well, and to your point, you know, every student is a general ed student. So, so just because they happen to be educated in a, a separate place or room, mm-hmm. there's nothing magical about that room that now makes them like that they don't belong in general education. Mm -hmm. They do belong, but the way that we have set up our schools is that, you know, we have a certain segments of students that don't belong, but that is uh, that's self-created. It's not because, you know, they actually don't belong, but they do. And then the other thing is the, like you said, the assumption just because they are educated somewhere else that they can't make progress on goals and objectives or mm-hmm, any other mm-hmm. thing in a, a typical environment. And a lot of times schools will use data, you know, hide behind data, say, well, they see they didn't make progress and they were in that co-taught class for however many minutes per day. So, sorry, it didn't work. I guess right. it didn't work. You know? It's like when they shift the perspective or we shift what it is that we're actually looking for, that is where the IEP goes from here's everything wrong to let's talk about what's right, you know? And I think that that's something that Amanda and I always strive to bring about at the IEPs, especially if the child is going to be present for some of our kiddos that are able to be present and really be able to give their feedback, which which we really appreciate when that is possible. 
but it's all about perspective. And we really hoped with COVID that there was going to be this shift, this paradigm shift of education. And we were throwing it out the window. This writing, reading, writing and arithmetic is not working. And so now, you know, we're, and yeah, year three of this. and, And we realized, you know, more than ever, people are just like, holding on to what it was before and really like forcing things. So have you seen any change in people wanting to be more inclusive, like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, or it's it's basically all been the same? That's interesting. I'm not sure the pandemic is really the thing that has changed, but I will say the renewed focus on educational equity has been the, the driver. Yeah. And the most recent example I can give you of this is I went to the Council for Exceptional Children conference in Orlando a couple weeks ago, and then I also went to the Division on Autism and Developmental Disabilities conference, which is the division of CEC in Clearwater last week. And in both conferences, and these were you know four special education teachers and professionals, the focus is on equity. Hmm. And so now... They're probably focusing on racial equity, but what I tried to, I try to connect the dots for people that when we're talking about equity, you cannot separate, you know, equity just for a particular, you know, one group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. we really are talking about students with uh, disabilities, especially students with intellectual disability, because they're the most likely to be marginalized and Absolutely. excluded. Yep. And then, of course, you have the significant uh, the disproportionality of uh, students of color, you know, in those disability mm-hmm. categories. So my hope is that with this renewed focus on equity, that people will be connecting those dots, because in the educational literature, you don't have to go back very far. People are already connecting those dots. And right. it's not just publications for special education teachers. You know, these are national educational organizations that are saying, maybe we need to be rethinking the structures that we're delivering services. Yep. I mean, you think about multi-tier systems of support, that's a general education provision, right. you know, and that, that aligns with, you know, the idea that students with disabilities, even significant ones, belong in general education and can be supported with specialized instruction and supports in general ed, like that's, that fits well within the MTSS model. Well, no two children learn the same. And Mm -hmm. once you realize that, I don't understand why it just doesn't open your mind up to all possibilities. And, you know, we've talked on this podcast, you know, the difference between equality and equity. And Mm -hmm. there's like this graphic that has made its rounds for many years. And it's like, you know, a wooden fence. And then there's, you know, a small person, a medium sized person, a tall person, tall person, medium person can see over the fence. And we get, you know, two or three boxes for the little person, you know, so that they can see over the fence as well, you know, and that's, you know, trying to level the playing field for that individual so they can equally see the game. But I had seen that same graphic couple years ago and it trying to explain equity as make that a chain link fence so that whatever differences that we have we are still able to enjoy the baseball which was like and I I think it was in reference to like economic disparity right and it was just like like oh my gosh like what a great way to try and bring about these kind of bigger like concepts that most people don't think about on a mm-hmm. daily basis, but you experience. And so I think that that's wonderful with your background, that perspective that you can bring to 
every kid is a gen ed kid. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is yeah. the curriculum. This is what we're doing. And, and I imagine, you know, the goal in when you're working with people is to pretty much get in and out, right? Like just kind of either do the trainings or, or if they want you long term, what is the typical kind of, I guess, service or time or length sure. so that if people yeah. are interested, like how can they get you to them in their school districts? Yeah. So most recently we've been, we've been getting you know, people are working with districts that are maybe attached to some grant funding that okay. are looking towards more toward inclusive practices. Yeah. I will say there was a bunch of funding that just uh, happened with COVID. And so districts are using that money to, awesome. you know, to hire organizations like us to provide training and stuff like that. So it really depends. We uh, do a lot of like a behavior series or okay. a series, you know, working on inclusive practices with paraprofessionals, or sometimes we'll do, you know, work with a particular school on how to include a student that, you know, the team is having a hard time figuring out how to do it, the, the yeah. practicality mm-hmm. of it. So there's lots of different ways that we can help. It just depends on what you need. And then, so, but no matter what, if you feel like we could help, I, I think that the first thing you do is just reach out to us. You go to mcie.org or you can email me at, you know, T-V-I-L-L-E-G-A-S at mcie.org and just say, hey, I'm interested in what you do. Tell me a little bit more. And that's a great way to get started. That's awesome. I, I'm sure there's so many, I mean, I know there are so many schools and school districts could benefit from your help. As You know, I know that there are some schools that really are trying to become more inclusive, but I think they're stuck at that. Where do we go from here? We want to do it, but what comes first? So we'll yeah. include all that information in the show notes and hopefully you guys will start expanding to many other states. Yeah. So, you know, before we run out of time, I wanted to mention something. So let's say you're an educator or a principal or, you know, maybe even director of special education. And you're like, I really feel like we could be doing a better job. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure where to start. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I want to stress with our approach is that it's a really a multi-year phased approach that we're promoting. Mm-hmm. It's a not kind of like it, you know, change everything overnight because right. especially <laughs> with what's happening right now with COVID and yeah. so many restrictions, it's hard being an educator. Yeah. So what we want to do is develop a relationship with you and really train you and build capacity on how to move forward with inclusive education. Like for instance, if you look at your the way that your uh, service delivery is for students with disabilities and you have inclusion classrooms, just think about what that means for all the other students. Like if you have a grade level, fourth grade, right, at elementary school and you have an inclusion class, what are the other classrooms? Like that one is inclusion, right? Right. So what we promote is uh, scheduling students with disabilities in natural proportions. So Let's say in a community, you have, uh, you know, 10 to 12 percent of those students have disabilities. You would spread out the students with IEPs across that grade level so right. they could be served by every single educator and not just the one inclusion teacher. And we would show you how to do that. So that first year that we would work with you is really just all about planning, creating a shared understanding of what we mean by inclusive education. And then that second year is having IEPs, having student planning meetings, and really moving kids, figuring out where they go if they're at a homeschool, 
figuring out if we need to dismantle those uh, regional, you know, disability specific program, you know, Mm -hmm. what's the goal? How are we going to do that? So those are the kinds of things that we do and that we walk you through. It's not just a, all right, now we're inclusive. Right. Right. And so as kind of we're wrapping up, obviously that is the day job and your passion project, which kind of brought this all together, was, yeah, was yeah. Think Inclusive. <laughs> so it started off as a Twitter and Tumblr. Like, remember Tumblr? I, I feel like I don't hear Tumblr anymore. I definitely hear about Twitter. Tumblr. I think it's still around. Yeah, it's still around, right? So. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? And obviously, we were on your podcast, which is part of that. Yeah. So it's funny, you know, my birthday is at the end of February and that'll mark 10 years that Think Inclusive has been around. So started the website in 2012. It was a blog, just like a WordPress blog. It it was, yeah, first a Twitter account. I was on Tumblr, then Facebook. And I was just very, very fortunate to keep it going. I almost gave up many times. I took long breaks and then probably to, you know, I don't exactly know the, the number, maybe four or five years ago, I got a little bit more consistent with podcasting, blogging, and uh, making connections and just realized that there was this whole other world of uh, educators and families who wanted the same thing. So very fortunate to be able to call this my day job to do the blog and podcast, uh, Think Inclusive podcast and uh, have people like you and you know, Shelly Moore and Michael McShean and the, just the greats in inclusive education on and be able to talk about, you know, how we can move it forward. Right. So definitely something that our listeners would benefit from. If you haven't already checked it out, go check it out. Leave our episode was, in, was last year. So go check it out. And we're so happy you were able to come on today. For our listeners, just remember, go on our Instagram and ask us questions in our Q&As. I can't remember off the top of my head what day we put the Q&A on there, <laughs> but it's probably the beginning of the week. I, yeah, I feel like it's Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, because we have like a maybe. little bit of time to like, yeah, answer the questions. And obviously, yeah, we'll put Tim's information in our show notes. He had given it out before, but go ahead and check out thinkinclusive.us for more information about the Think Inclusive and where you can find his podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Tim, for coming on. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye.